Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Today's uh, sermon is going to be more like a, uh, a Bible study that uh, we might have had on, uh, on a Wednesday night, but uh, because we're having baptisms tonight, and uh, we don't often hear uh, in a, or on a Sunday morning a message on uh, baptism, we thought that uh, we would share uh, the ordinance of baptism. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to the uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the last chapter, chapter 28, we will look at uh, the verses 18 through 20. And we've got many other verses that uh, I would encourage you to write down. And most of those are listed uh, in, the, uh, in the outline as we go through uh, the, uh, the message today. So Matthew chapter 28. and beginning at verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray, please. Again, Father, we come to you and we ask your blessing upon this message. We pray, Lord, that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit. Open our understanding. Teach us out of your holy word. And may we, as your children, both understand and put into practical application your truth in our lives each day. And for anyone here who are struggling with the decision to be baptized, we pray that you will make it clear to them the importance of baptism in a believer's life. Thank you again, Lord, for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. And so our first point here is, what is an ordinance? What is an ordinance? And you have written there uh, some definitions, laws, judgments, decrees, established by an authoritative body or an individual with specified authority. Also refers to directions or a mandate, regulation or statute that might be enacted by a municipal body or a legislative body. You have those at the city level, at the county level, at the state level, and of course at the national level. But the church also has ordinances, and these are ordinances, directives, commandments, if you will, commands, that were ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the church has two. That is, in Baptist churches, we recognize two. Many denominations have several others, but we don't recognize those as, as ordinances. The first is baptism. Baptism. And so the Greek word that's used in the scripture is baptizo, which specifically refers to the dipping or plunging or submerging or immersing of an individual. Never nor anywhere in the scripture is baptism ever described as a sprinkling or as the pouring of water on a baby's head. That is not biblical baptism. Baptism has to do with the dipping or submerging or immersing into the water and then bringing the individual up out of the water. You'll recall in the Sunday school lesson, those of you who are in Sunday school, and I encourage all of you to be in Sunday school, but a few weeks ago, we had the lesson on Naaman. Remember Naaman, the Syrian uh, general who had uh, leprosy? And he went to see Elisha the prophet, and Elisha the prophet told him to go and dip himself in the Jordan River seven times to dip. That is to go down to the river and to come up out of the water. It's the same term that's used when Elisha told uh, Naaman to dip himself into the river. That's what this word baptizo actually means. To take an individual down into the water 
and to bring them back up. And we'll see uh, the reason for that here in a little bit. But the other ordinance is the Lord's Supper. And we observe the Lord's Supper on the first Sunday of each month and often referred to as communion or the Last Supper. That is the Last Supper that the Lord Jesus ate with his disciples before being crucified. But moving on to point number two. Baptism, the biblical why. And I try to uh, I organize these under, you know, the, the why, the what, the who, the when, and the how. All right, so make it easy for you to, uh, to remember the why. So first of all, over in Matthew chapter three, and we, we looked at that a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, I'm uh, preaching through the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized, and you recall that. But John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. His baptism was not a Christian baptism. His baptism was a public declaration that one had repented from their sins and that they recognized that they were a sinner and they were repenting. And so by coming and being baptized by John, they were repenting. They were demonstrating that they had repented of their sin and they were making that public profession through John's baptism. Now you say, wait a minute, now Jesus is without sin. And that's correct. Jesus is without sin. But he came to be baptized by John the Baptist as a mark of approval on the ministry of John the Baptist. Remember that Jesus, and the Bible says, Jesus is without sin. He is the perfect Son of God. He is God the Son, God in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and without sin. For the Bible declares it is impossible for God to sin. But he came putting the stamp of approval upon the ministry of John the Baptist, and Jesus demonstrated identity with us, with sinful humanity. Because the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Amen? And so he identified with us. He is the God-man. So Jesus was baptized. And then Jesus ordains or commands the disciples to baptize. And we, and we just read that. And notice that he says, All authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me, that is unto the Lord Jesus, speaking of himself there. He has all authority. And then he says, Therefore I send you with that authority. So the Lord has given to his church authority to proclaim his word and to baptize people in his name. Amen? So he ordains and commands the disciples to baptize people. Now, turn quickly to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4, and verse 1. Now, Jesus and his disciples, of course, were busy. Once, once the Lord came on the sea, after his baptism and after his temptation in the wilderness, he was, he was engaged and he was busy preaching and teaching 
and baptizing. Now notice what it says here in John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, and this is very important here, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. The point there, and we can turn back to Matthew, is that Jesus gave authority to the disciples to baptize believers. People who accepted him and received his message then followed in believers' baptism. Now, see there, the meaning of Christian baptism. So let's turn to Acts. And again, I would, I would encourage you to write these down. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and beginning at verse 37. Well, let, let's, um, let's uh, begin at verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And this is, this is Peter. He's preaching. All right? He's, he's preaching the gospel. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, those who are not schooled in the, in the original languages of the Scripture misapply the, the grammar here in this, in this verse. Uh, namely, verse 38. The, uh, the Greek word that is used there is is. Is. And I'll give you an example. So a criminal is convicted in a court of law. And then they're given a sentence. After they've been convicted, they're given a sentence. And so someone is given life imprisonment for murder. They're not given the sentence to then go out and murder someone, but because they've already committed the murder. You follow? They've already committed the murder. The word is in the Greek means for or unto, into, because of, or on the basis of, or as the result of. And that is how the word is used in the Greek in this passage. Because there are some who teach that you have to be baptized to be forgiven. No, that is incorrect. And that is not what is meant here. You see, baptism, baptism is to be done after one comes to know Jesus as Savior, not before. And so that rules out infant baptism. 
If you were so-called baptized as a baby, you were not scripturally baptized. In the first and second century, only those who were of majority age or understood what they were doing were baptized. And they were not sprinkled. They didn't have water poured on them. They were dipped down into or immersed into the water and brought back out again. But the point here on this particular area or this particular verse is that it doesn't mean for, for forgiveness, no. But as a result of having been forgiven, as a result of having accepted to repent is to recognize, yes, that God is right and you're wrong, and turning from self and sin to him, you accept him as Lord and Savior, and when you do that, you're forgiven. You follow? You are forgiven. Then you follow in baptism. But there are those who teach, well, if, you have, if you've never been baptized, you're not forgiven. That is not what this passage means. That is incorrect. Now, the mode. The mode. Well, let me, before I, I, I get ahead of myself here. Symbolism. Symbolism. Turn to Romans. Romans. Now, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. And again, I would encourage you to continue to write these things down. Romans chapter 6, and we'll actually read the verses 1 through 4. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now what does all that mean? Well, for our message here today with respect to baptism, baptism is a symbolic picture, if you will, a physical, a physical proclamation where the individual proclaims that they have placed their faith in Christ. They recognize his death upon the cross, his burial, and his resurrection on the third day. So when we baptize someone, we then lower them down. We say, buried with Christ, you see, laid down in the grave, so to speak, and then raised to walk in newness of life. You see the symbolism there? You don't get that from somebody sprinkling some water on your head. Now, we're not being critical. We are correcting. We are stating very clearly that the sprinkling and the pouring of water is not scriptural baptism. Jesus went down into the water and he was brought up out of the water. And the Bible says when he came up out of the water, and remember that he was about 30 years old, but when he came up out of the water, uh, the spirit in the form of the dove and the voice of the father, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the mode, Christian baptism is immersion. Immersion to take down into the water. 
Now, it doesn't have to be done in a baptistry. It can be done in a pool. It can be done in a jacuzzi. It can be done in a river or in a lake or out in the ocean. But the person is to be taken down into the water. That is scriptural baptism. And so the who? Biblical examples of baptism. So back to Acts chapter 2. Back to Acts chapter 2. And so, beginning at verse 40, now we read how Peter was preaching and the people were convicted. Now these are Jewish people. Because the first century church was made up primarily of Jewish believers. Verse 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word, what does that mean? They gladly received his word. They believed, they accepted, were baptized. And that day, notice, about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000. Can you imagine? <laughs> they were baptizing people all day and all night long. Amen. All right. But let's turn to the 8th chapter in this same book, Acts, Acts chapter 8. So there's another example of someone in the New Testament being baptized, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a, a member of the queen's court there in Ethiopia, and he had gone to Jerusalem, and on his way back, he was reading the scripture. And he was reading in the book of, of Isaiah. So Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26 through 39. Let me find it here. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers, its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture preaching Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, now note this, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. 
Now, when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. The point here is notice that the, the Ethiopian eunuch was, he was reading the scripture. And his heart was searching for the Lord. And the Lord provided Philip to open his understanding through God the Holy Spirit. Because God the Holy Spirit is present in the life of every believer. You understand? So that when you open your mouth and speak or preach or share the message of the gospel, that is God the Holy Spirit speaking through you to the people to whomever you're speaking. And when they're convicted by God the Holy Spirit and their understanding is open, they come to know the Lord as Savior. That is, in the day, submitted as this Ethiopian eunuch did. But notice, what was the requirement to be baptized? Yes, believe. He said, if you believe. Amen? And he said, I believe. And he went on. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Son of God. Amen. Now, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And beginning at verse 25. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. The Philippian jailer. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now they're in prison. They've been in prison. They've been beaten for sharing the gospel. All right? I'll give you the context there. So at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice the response. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. You notice? Paul didn't say, you have to be baptized to be saved. That's not what he says. But what did he say? Yes? Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So, when is a person to be baptized? After they've accepted the Lord as their Savior. After they've come to know Jesus as Savior. And then the last one here, Acts 18, just a couple of chapters over. One through, verses 1 through 8. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, 
who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. For now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed. And then what does it say? And were baptized. You follow? So they believed first, and then they were baptized. We're making the point that baptism comes after believing, after accepting the Lord as Savior. There's a proper order to things. And so a person cannot become a, a member of a Baptist church unless they have accepted the Lord as their Savior and committed to baptism. Amen. You see? Because when we're baptized, we're saying publicly... I belong to the Lord Jesus. So no infant baptism, because an infant can't speak, nor does an infant have any idea of what is going on. Plus, an infant is innocent, not perfect, not perfect. Adam and Eve were not perfect. They were created in a state of innocence. But they were not perfect. Only God is perfect. Because people will, you'll hear oftentimes people make the mistake of saying, well, they were perfect. No, they were not perfect. They were not perfect. They were, they were made in the image of a perfect God, but they were created in, in a state of innocence, and they had been given the power of choice. And they chose to disobey and thereby became sinners and all of their offspring, with the exception of the Lord Jesus that we mentioned earlier. All of us are sinners. Well, no infant baptism. Let's go to the last point. We're just about out of time. What does the Bible teach about baptism? And there's yet so much more but it would require more time. What does the Bible teach about the baptism? So here's the what. <laughs> A, baptism is an ordinance of the church ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? It's a command that requires obedience. It is a public profession of faith. And the church has practiced it for 2,000 years. And it was in the latter part of the second century and during the third uh, early part of the third century that there were those who came in and they began to practice out of convenience the sprinkling and then the infant baptism and that's become a major doctrine of the catholic church which we do not agree with because the baby as we mentioned is in a state of innocence 
and they do not have the, the, the ability to make a decision. It must be an act of one's own volition. Baptism is a physical, public profession of faith that one has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And when? When is a person baptized? After accepting Christ as Savior. And then the meaning. Baptism is non-essential for salvation, but hear this. It is essential for proper spiritual growth and maturity. If you have not been scripturally baptized, you need to be correctly baptized. You will not grow as you ought to if you have not followed the Lord in believer's baptism. It is an ordinance. It's a direction. It is a command. It is a mandate, a statute. C, immersion is the biblical mode of baptism. That's the how. Down into the water, brought up out of the water. And then lastly, believers in the New Testament were baptized. The who? The who? We call it believer's baptism because it occurs after one has accepted the Lord. They place their faith in him, believing that he is the Savior, the Son of God. So we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. We've gone through the ordinance of baptism. Now we've just scratched the surface. But we wanted to make it very clear that baptism occurs after one accepts Christ as Savior. It's not something that a Christian should actually put off. No. And there is a proper biblical way taken down into the water and brought up out of the water. It's not sprinkling or pouring water. No. The symbolism buried with Christ raised to walk in newness of life. If you have not been scripturally baptized, but you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you need to come. You need to follow him in biblical believers' baptism. You will not grow as God intends for you to grow unless you are baptized. Let's stand, please. As we sing, you come. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.